Hi folks, Professor Chetlin here and welcome to Office Hours Summer Sessions. For the next few weeks as we enjoy our summer break, Office Hours will release a podcast every other week and we're focusing on things that we can learn, whether it's how to be an adult, life in Appalachia, or study abroad, Office Hours Summer School will provide a little bit of enrichment as you relax from the school year. Hi, my name is Marcia Chatlin. I'm a professor of history at Georgetown University, but more importantly, I'm the host of Office Hours, a podcast. This is an opportunity to get a window into my world where I talk to students about the things that are most important to them. So please join us for Office Hours for the things we don't talk about in class. Um, hey, Alex. Hey, Marcia. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I just got a new passport. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. So <laughs> I spent a lot of time asking people on Facebook how to get a glamour shot for my passport photo, and it did not work because it's still done at CVS. But two for 12. You can't beat that. You can't beat that. <laughs> um, let me ask you, speaking of passport stamps, did you study abroad in college? Yeah, I did. Where did you go? I was in Moscow, Russia. It's very exciting. Did you speak Russian? Duh. <laughs> I don't know what that means. That means yes. Yes. They're like, right now it's a little bit rusty, mm-hmm. like a lot bit rusty. What made you want to study abroad in college? I met, it was completely random, I, my sophomore year of college, I decided for funsies to take a Russian literature class as an mm-hmm. elective, because I had always wanted to read Russian lit, never had, and I had this amazing professor, Dr. Julie Christensen, who is so knowledgeable, she's the department chair of modern and classical languages, and really imparted such a love of Russian culture oh. on me, and was so interesting, and I thought, wow, I, I can see why you fell in love with this culture, and because of that, I kept studying um, Russian civilization, I, I concentrated it in my major, and w- kept up with it, and it turns out there was actually a funded fellowship my avail- that was available my junior year, and you could study in Russia, and at this point, I had not studied Russian language. I was going to be a French, another French major. Like I was all set to go to Quebec actually and go. But what happened was I had won, um, the Truman scholarship, right? Uh Which I did not think I would win. And because of that, I had to go to Missouri and I actually had to get foot surgery. My mom's like, you have to get foot surgery before you graduate. Like, and if you do that, you can't go to Quebec. And I was like, Oh crap. Like, well, all right, so I like I applied on a lark for this Russian fellowship mm-hmm. program. So I applied to all these things, having no idea if I would get in. Um, and then what happened is like I got all of them. I was like, oh crap! But I still have to get foot surgery. So that went by the wayside. And I was like, well, time to learn Russian. And um, I got in the Russian program, and then I went there. Wait, did you teach yourself how to speak Russian? No, I I mean like I started like the semester before, but I like I started studying a little bit in the summer, and then like I took an intro course, and I just like crammed, crammed, cram, and like practice. And I was okay at, at one point, but it's it's been pretty weak right now. Interesting. So how long were you gone for? I was gone, I think like almost five months, four or five. What was the hardest thing about going study abroad? Not getting to stay as long as I wanted. 
Yeah? Yeah, I wish I had stayed longer. I think it was a really fascinating experience. Though actually what was hard, I did it the last semester of my senior year. Really? And so I thought, yeah. And so that was, I remember I emailed you. That's right. We and I was like, what emailing. the hell are you doing? You're like, where are you, girl? And I was like, I'm in Moscow. I, I think I told you, but like, we were, so that was what was happening. I was doing all this work and I actually was applying for jobs at that point. So I was actually, in, I remember this, I had this crappy Nokia cell phone mm-hmm. and I was taking a call from my former employer at the U.S. government and at midnight and interviewing because it's three o'clock in D.C. and I had to do that. And then, like, what would happen is I'd have all these calls and I'd have to take them and, you know, try to interview. And once I had this, I got to a final round of an interview and they didn't respond to confirm that it was happening. I had, like, followed up and I got an invite to go to the Czech embassy for dinner and... I did, and then, of course, what happened is they called, so I had to go, like, hide in the bathroom stall of the Czech embassy. Very classy. Looking so sketchy with my crappy new Kia cell phone on, <laughs> like, on a U.S. government line, like, being like, hi there, like, yeah, I want to work for the government, um, because, like, policy and whatever is so great, and so that was probably, that was hard, but I, I actually loved it. I wish I could have stayed longer. Now, was studying abroad weird for you because you grew up, like, overseas, not at all. Mm-hmm. I did not feel strange. Um, and that's so, that's a weird thing I've noticed. There are very few places I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. And that's I'm not, pretty cool. I'm not sure why. I mm-hmm. mean, I'm, I'm afraid at like, places like at night and where people can jump out in like, the bushes. <laughs> so, yes, that, Which is totes reasonable. That's reasonable. But um, I'm not afraid to go into different countries and talk mm-hmm. to people. Where are some of your passport stamps from? Well, I was born in London, um, and I had a British accent. This explains everything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, and I can still slip into it. Um, and I had one pretty much until we moved back to the States, because even, like, in Kuwait, mm-hmm. you have a lot of British English. We moved to Kuwait. I lived in the Middle mm-hmm. East as a kid. Yeah, and then I've been to Ukraine. I've been to part, lots, of, lots of Europe, hoping to go other places, too. That's so cool. Yeah. Study abroad is the best. And I think that um, I studied abroad in London the first semester of my senior year. Bad idea. I didn't really enjoy it at all. Um, but Why? I had a study abroad scholarship and I was going to Spain. And someone's like, oh, you don't want to go to this part of Spain. It's super conservative and it's really quiet. You should go to the most busy, smog-filled place you can find. <laughs> so, no, I shouldn't say that. London was really amazing. I just had no friends. And it was the first time I had no friends. Like, the other kids in the study abroad group didn't like me. I had an internship, and I wasn't really in classes. And so I interned at a fashion magazine called Tatler. Shut up! Yeah. You interned at Tatler? I, t- I interned at Tatler. Wait. I used to fold the clothes in the fashion room and, like, get the fashion samples. They, like, gave me, like, big bags of samples as gifts. Oh, my gifts. God. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you're really I bet I read the issue. Like Yes. I was Tatler. And then one day a week, I was at, like, a nonprofit organization that, like helped um african women living in the uk and it was these very different worlds so i'd go to like tatler four days a week and then this place um that was doing really really amazing work um but it was probably the loneliest time of my life because i just i really connected with no one one friend had come to see me um and we had a really great time and i had um i had gone on a silent retreat actually at a at a Oh, what's at a convent? I mean, it was like I might as well just do every deep dive into my soul because no one's talking to me. It wasn't wow. actually going on a silent retreat wasn't that different than my everyday life. Oh my I just God. had no friends, but 
it was also, it was kind of nice because I did things I didn't usually do. I, like, was going to theater. I was going to more museums. I went to, I went to Paris. I mean, I went to Brussels by myself. Yeah, that's awesome. I just took the train and I went by myself. So I think it was a, it was definitely an ultimate independence experience. And I think that the thing that was awesome was that um, I got an interview for a fellowship. So I got to leave early and I was so grateful because I had run out of money. And so I didn't even know how I was going to afford the rest of the experience. So everything kind of worked out in the right time. But since then, I love traveling and I love going overseas and I've been a million places. But, um, you know, study abroad, I think, is something that you have to do really carefully and thoughtfully. Yes. And today's conversation with Crystal Walker is all about making it work when you think you don't have the money or you don't have this or that. And she's really a cool story about being a global citizen. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Crystal Walker, a senior here at Georgetown. Hi, Crystal. Hi. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. How was your spring break? It was good. I went on an alternative spring break trip. What so did you do? I went to Alabama. It was a civil rights tour. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that sounds went, amazing. It was amazing. We went to, the first three we went to was Birmingham, then Selma, then Montgomery. Selma was so phenomenal. It was such a heavy trip, but it was... It sounds beautiful. It was, it, it was, it was great. It was impactful. One of my one of one of my um, fellow participants, she took your civil civil rights class, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, and she just kept like. Was she just she, giving you all the facts? Yeah, she was spouting <laughs> so much knowledge, and she was like, "Yeah." She, I was, I was, I was, oh my gosh! Like, she she talked about respectability politics, and she was like, yeah. she, "I was like, oh my god, I'm so glad you know about that because not a lot of people really understand mm-hmm. what respectability politics is." And she was like, "Oh yeah." I got it off from Chatlin, you know. I was like, oh my gosh, yes! <laughs> well, first of all, so Crystal's here for office hours, and she has two things that she's repping that I love. You have your Black Girls Matter uh, button. Yes. And I know you're a volunteer with Girl Talk. Yes. At Duke Ellington High School, an amazing program. And you've got a t-shirt that says o- Oklahoma Blood Institute. <laughs> and Crystal is actually from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, yes. where I used to live when I taught at the University of Oklahoma. And we first met when you were a prospective student, yes. you came to my Women in the Civil Rights class yes. to visit, and you said you're from Oklahoma, and I lost it. I was so excited. You lost it. It was great. <laughs> the students, once they heard Oklahoma come out of your mouth, they're like, uh-oh, here she goes. Because, <laughs> you know, my first year here, all I could do was talk about Oklahoma. Right. Um, because that was my reference point. You know, I had just left, and... Um, you don't meet tons of people from Oklahoma, right. particularly students of color. And so as a person who I'd like to think of as the ultimate world traveler, um, <laughs> tell me a little bit about growing up in Oklahoma City. So we moved there when we, I was born in Maryland. We moved there when I was four. So Oklahoma is pretty much all I knew growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to, I, you know, I went to like an elementary school, a public elementary school, middle school, high school. And the first time I ever traveled... Um, for like a long extended period of time was when tenth grade, I there's a program called People to People. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're pretty known, and so we went to I got a thing in the mail, and I was like, okay, mom, let's go to this meeting. We went to the meeting. They were saying all these cool things, but like the one question that we were waiting for <laughs> was, you know, how much is it? Yeah. And so then the the woman was like, oh, it's about seven thousand dollars. What? Mom, yeah. <laughs> and my mom, she kind of like. <laughs> kind of like, you know, did that look to the side, like, look one way or other, you know, kind of like did that, <clears throat> you know, kind of little sound like, yeah, this isn't happening. But the trip intrigued me because it was like six countries in Europe, 20 days, um, 
so many different things going on. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to do this. And so my mom said, if you can put down the down payment, there's, like, a low down payment, then we'll do all we can to, like, help you fundraise. Oh, my gosh. Hashtag mom. I know. Oh, that's so heartwarming. Right? Because that's a lot of money. It was. That pay was $400. And she and she knew deep down. She was like, if she if she puts down her own money, then I know she's serious. And I did it because, you know, I had money saved up from birthday, working, Christmas, all this different stuff. And I was like, okay, I want to do this. So I put down, and we just started. I sent out letters to people. We had garage sales. I sold candles at one point. I sold lollipops. I mean, $1,000 off of lollipops. Yes. Wait a second. <laughs> what kind of lollipop market are you talking you about? You know those carousel ones? The carousel, yeah. like, you know, like, they have, like, cotton candy. So what you lollipop. do, like, buy them wholesale? So I would buy them wholesale. I would, buy, like, I would spend about $200 on them. I, like, you're supposed to sell them for 50 cents. I sold them for a dollar. I told people, I was like, hey, I'm trying to go, <laughs> like, you know, uh, go to Europe. It's great. You know, in, in Oklahoma, this is one thing. A lot of people never really leave Oklahoma. Yeah. So the idea of me not only leaving Oklahoma, but leaving the country, people were just really excited about that, you know? And so I think that really kind of enticed people to support me. And so I sold those. It, it took me about nine months. $7,000 is no... No, it's a lot of money. It's a lot, it's a lot of money. And it's, it was no joke. And, you know, I, it, it took me a while just to raise all the money, but I, and I ended up doing it. And then... Um, I left, and that, and it was literally, one, like, one of the best, like, 20 days of my life. Hashtag the hustle. That is an amazing <laughs> story. So you so you got your first passport and everything? Yes. And what countries did you visit? We went to, um, so, England, France, Germany. We were there for the longest six days. Belgium, the Netherlands, and Switzerland. And wow. so it was... When we were doing so much, we were going to museums. We were going, you know, we, like when we were in Paris, we went to the Eiffel Tower. Um, we saw a big Ben. We went on, we, um, you know, in Germany, that was where we did a homestay. We were there for six days. Um, we were in two different cities there. We were in Belgium for a day. We tried, you know, Belgian waffles. You know, they, they did the whole, oh, you know, Belgium and Switzerland are the only place in the world that makes real Good chocolate, chocolate, you know? Yeah. Um, so we tried chocolate, and it was, it was so, it was just so much, and I just got so much information, and I just thought, like, that was the first time I think I realized that there was a whole world out there of people. Yeah. You know? Because I never, you know, just, I just, just Uncle Homie, you, you just kind of, you know, you get used to what you grow up around, you get to the people. I never thought that, you know, there's a whole other world out there who's people, of people who are just living their lives. And I think that trip, like, just really opened my eyes. I was like, wow. Like, I think that's when I really got the heart to just want to travel. I was like, oh my God, I gotta travel, I wanna go. So when you, went on this trip um was it a multiracial or multicultural group uh no (laughs) i mean let's be real it was there was two black people me and this boy named shadante Uh and then i honestly can't even remember there may have been a few asian i i honestly can't remember there were Mm -hmm. even any other people of color um there was one girl she was half hispanic half white Mm -hmm. everyone else was white and now Everyone else was white, and that, that doesn't that that doesn't necessarily mean that we all like the white folks were all you know upper class because you know mm-hmm. in Oklahoma in general like a lot of people are working class right and so um, I definitely think that around class lines we were all very different um, it was definitely more diverse along class lines mm-hmm. but racially. It was just me and my boy. And there was 50 of us, 50 students. Oh, wow. And so that experience traveling as a person of color, as a young person, what did it, what was that experience like? It was interesting because it it wasn't, 
bad to where I, I guess I I I guess I didn't fear as fear, feel as fearful just because it was very it was chaperone mm-hmm. and we were always in a big group and some of the places that we went you know especially like France and England you know there's mm-hmm. like more diversity there. Um, I knew I felt I stood out a bit more like in Switzerland, Belgium, and mm-hmm. Germany, uh, but still I think folks there were kind of you know at least known mm-hmm. about. You know, like people of color around the world, and like has like seen some someone seems seen some sort of diversity. Mm-hmm. So I didn't feel like I stood out as much, um, but that definitely was a different case. You know, like when I went to Russia, of course. So let's transition to that. So you go on this amazing trip. What grade were you in? I was in. I was going to tenth grade. Yes, I was going. No, I was in tenth grade, going to eleventh. I believe. Okay, so this is middle high school, and then when did you start studying Russian? I started studying Russian my junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I. So yeah. So I remember I came back my tenth grade year. I was studying Spanish at the time. There was a girl in my school. Her name was Victoria, and she was from Russia. She was doing some like foreign exchange program to where she basically was able to come study in the states for a year. And so um, I remember talking with her, and she was so like cool, so great. And in the meantime, like during that time, I was also reading a book called Anna Karenina uh-huh. by Leo Tolstoy. Um, and so yeah, that's a, Leo Tolstoy. For, for folks who don't know, he's a Russian author, um, classic. If you've heard of the book War and Peace, he wrote it. Um, any, everyone in Russia knows Leo Tolstoy. Everyone has to read the book. So um, I read Anna Karenina, one of his other famous books, and I just fell in love with it. I just fell in love with just the, the literature, the 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 just um, the characters, just the different names, nicknames they had. The storyline was beautiful. Um, it was just so complex. It was just a beautiful masterpiece. And so then I had I was reading this Russian book. I had this Russian you know girl who was at my school, and then the French teacher at my school she just happened she had a master's in Russian, so random you know in Oklahoma at my little charter school, <laughs> but she said you know if enough people are interested I'll I'll offer a Russian class you know I don't mind teaching it and so I think it was about seven or eight of us. And we decided, okay, we'll, we'll take Russian. So I started taking it my junior year of high school. And so I was taking Russian. I, I, I don't know. I just fell in love with it. Even though it's – I didn't know that Russian was a difficult language. Um, I just kind of – I was just kind of going along with it. My professor also was really slow in teaching us. Mm-hmm. And so I think she kind of was, like, trying to, like – she was – I guess she was trying not to scare us off, you know. So she was – you know, I mean, we spent, like, a month on the alphabet, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was I just fell in love with it. I just it was just so great. And so she when I heard about the first opportunity to go to Russia, it was from her. She said, Hey, there's a scholarship through the State Department, uh, for high schoolers. You can study critical languages and I think y'all should apply. So I remember I heard I was like, Oh, okay, whatever. Um, but then a couple of days before I thought, Okay, maybe I should do it, you know, it doesn't hurt. So she wrote me a recommendation, I filled out the application, you know, like of course like Night before I was due. <laughs> Listeners, we don't recommend yeah, this. Yeah, don't recommend that. But it happens. It does happen. <laughs> I I can't say that that was definitely not the last time I did that. And I turned it in, and I remember getting an email. They were like, oh, you're a semifinalist for this program. I was like, oh, crap. Now I got, now I got serious about it. Because <laughs> they were talking about, we want to come to your house, do an interview with your family, you know, all this stuff. Because, you know, it's the U.S. It's, it's, I mean, it's your taxpayer dollars, ladies and gentlemen. So they want to make sure that the people they're choosing are, you know, worthy. And so I remember I had an interview that came to my house. Um, you know, they were just, they, they kind of just want to make sure that the students who are going are people who, like, won't get homes that can handle, because you study, you're, you basically go over there and you study at a university, can, you know, can handle 20 hours a week of studying plus homework, can handle being in a new environment. Um, and then, long story short, I ended up receiving the scholarship, and I was like, oh my god, 
this is so great. I'm going to Russia, you know? So, um, and then I went to Russia for six weeks. So this was after your senior year? This No, no, this was after my junior year. So it was between, it was right before senior year of high school. And what was that like? What was it? Here's, the thing that I think is so, when I travel a lot and I've, I've been overseas, there is a moment where I'm either at the gate at the airport or in on the plane, I'm like, I am far away from home. <laughs> and no matter how often I do this or how many experiences I have that are great, there's that moment I'm like, oh, wait a second. If something happens to me or if I need something, everyone I love and care about is far away. Right. So what is it like? So did you fly out of the little Oklahoma City airport? Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> went to Will Rogers. Because this, this program was with, the first one was with all Oklahoma City people. This program with people from all over the country. Yeah. So I left. I flew by myself to Washington, D.C. There was like a three-day orientation D.C. Um, and then we left to Russia. So we went from Dulles to Moscow. Wow. And so it's interesting because I think I started to realize that Russia may not have been, may not be as diverse as my European experience. When well, that they, was my next question. You know, they, they talked, because at, at, at orientation, they talked about, they were like, oh, so like, you know, they, they, they were like, just be careful. You know, sometimes there have been hate crimes, especially against people of color. Sometimes there are skinheads. I heard, when I heard skinheads, I was like, what? Wait a second. <laughs> had no one talked to you about this before? I think I had, like, thought. I I, I think, I, you know, I, I heard, I thought about it. I kind of realized it. But I think at this orientation was, as far as I can remember, was really when I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, mama, like, texting my mom, like, oh, like, I, I forgot there's skinheads in Russia, you know? And so, that was that was that. But um, and then you know when we were on the plane, we you know we flew over, got through customs, and then we had to drive. We still had to drive like four hours to get to the city where we were studying. I think that's when I had that moment that you were talking about, where I was like, okay, you know, I can't just call my mom up, you know, or you know, I I kind of had to deal with this. Was also, before like Wi Fi and stuff, we you know no yeah. we, we didn't know, a lot of people didn't have smartphones or anything. Yeah. So it was. Like, communicate, a lot of communication was through, like, Skype or email. Um, I didn't even have WhatsApp. Like, you know, all the stuff we have now, I didn't even have that stuff. So, but I think, you know, that's when I had that moment when we were driving to the city. I was like, oh, my God, like, this is, this is real, you know? So what were those six weeks like? I mean, they were amazing. Like, like, like they were phenomenal. Um, that's when I really found out that Russian was one of like one of the most difficult languages I can handle. I remember I walked into the room and the woman was like, she was like, yeah. So, um, say the past tense of this, say the future, and I, and I didn't I didn't know any of that. In Russian, there's a there's a case system. I didn't I did, I only knew two cases. I I barely knew. I thought the little Russian I knew was good. It was nothing, but it was it was it was a good experience because I really got to. I think it, it kind of showed me, like, okay, this language is hard, but it also it showed me that, like, regardless of it being hard, I still love it. Um, it was a little difficult because I got stared at a lot. Well, yeah, um, what was the day-to-day? Yeah, the, like, the, I, I, I mean, I would leave the house. People were always staring at me. Because this is also, the town I was in was smaller. It wasn't, like, Moscow or St. Petersburg, but mm-hmm. there's about 600,000 people in it. Um, a lot of these people have maybe never even, like, left the, the town. Or have probably never seen like any person of African descent in their life. So people were constantly staring at me. Um, if people were saying something about me, I didn't know because I, <laughs> I didn't know the language <laughs> like that. Um, but it was a, just a lot of stares. It was very uncomfortable. 
for like a while, for like the first like four weeks, you know, like it was very uncomfortable. After a while, I got used to it. Luckily, which just was like really random. There was another black guy on my trip. Okay. Which was, you know, I think that just kind of like happened. And so like sometimes him and I would like kind of like, you know, we were just kind of like, dang, like this kind of sucks. We're always stared at, you know. Especially like if me and him were just to walk somewhere by ourselves. Oh gosh, he's like you know double the trouble. I just like stares, but. Everyone that came in contact with were very receptive. They were very nice, very welcoming. Um, just, like, I, I tell people, like, Russian people are some of the, like, best, like, friends you will ever meet because they're just very, they're just very, like, good people, you know? And so um, I never felt uncomfortable being around, like, friends I met or people I met just because they, they always made me feel welcome. And so I think that kind of, like, that combat against the stairs. Like, and the stairs were never hostile. They were just, like... I've never seen anyone who looks like you before. Mm-hmm. So that's something I also had to remind myself that, like, these, like, people aren't staring at me because they want to, you know, like, jump me or anything, but because they've never seen, like, anyone who looks like me. Now, I'm sure if I was them, I'd be staring at me too, you know? <laughs> well, here's something that I think is so interesting when we think about kind of, like, global blackness yeah. in many ways. So I remember when I studied abroad, and people before, you know, when students of color talked about studying abroad, Sometimes it would be a financial issue if they were also a first-generation college student. So, like, I can study abroad, but I can't afford any of the side trips. Yeah. And that's very real. Um, I remember studying in London in, like, 2001 and not going any, like, going on two trips and, you know, other people being able to do more. Um, But also this idea of how your blackness is read. So whether you're being read as an African immigrant in a place that's very anti-immigrant or if you're being read as an American and as a tourist and everything is okay. I don't know if you've had similar experiences. Oh, yeah, that's very... Even when I was... This past summer, I went back to Russia for the first time since this trip in high Mm -hmm. school. And so, so in 2015, and I remember a lot of times people... The first thing, like, people are like, oh, where are you from? They expected me to say somewhere in Africa. Mm-hmm. Then I would say, oh, I'm from uh, Sasha. That's the, like, acronym for USA. I was like, oh, I'm from the United States. I'm like, oh, really? They're like, well, where are your parents from? Mm. And I'm like, uh, well, they're from a state called Louisiana, a state <laughs> called Ohio. They're from, you know, the U.S. too. And, you know, and people are like, oh, like, I could tell that I kind of, I kind of, I realized I had kind of this American privilege about me mm-hmm. because I was treated a bit differently than other like mm-hmm. black folks who were like African immigrants, you know, because they're they're treated a bit differently because they're seen as being like oh coming in the country like taking up resource, taking up space. Whereas I was since I had that kind of American privilege about me, um, I was seen as being different. People were like oh like that's cool, you know, and it, that even made me feel uncomfortable because like I knew that like my Americanness in some way protected me, mm-hmm. but I still it I, but still I couldn't you know help think of like. You know, this Americanness may protect me here, but like, you know, my blackness and my American, that doesn't protect me even in America, you mm-hmm. know? So, like, those layers of thinking that, you know, I may have this privilege here, but that privilege comes like, it comes like almost at a cost, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, people see this, but they don't understand that, you know, there are still problems in America that resolve from my blackness, even mm-hmm. though I am American. Um, so, that was also, and you know, some people, and it was also, for me, very troubling and sometimes, like, overwhelming. Sometimes people would ask me, you know, like, oh, but were you really from Welch? You know, where your ancestors are from? And, like, I remember one time I just felt so overwhelmed. Like, I was, like, I just really sad one night because I was just like, wow, like, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, like, my mm-hmm. ancestors. You know, because, you know, the history of slavery, I don't, 
I don't know where my family came from in Africa, you know? And, like, how do you explain to people, oh, remember that thing, slavery, that happened in America? <laughs> well, yeah, that affects people like me, and so I don't mm-hmm. know where... You may know where your family's from. I don't know where my family's from. Because these, you're having conversations with people where the context of family origin and rootedness, right, is yes. very important. Exactly. And so some of the, just the kind of, like, the dynamics of being in places like Russia and... Um, I know that you're going to be going to the Ukraine um, in a few months as part of the Peace Corps. I mean, just things like getting your hair. I mean, I remember hair used to be a huge, huge issue with the study abroad community when I was like, where do you get your hair done? (laughs) Who's going to do your hair? Are people going to try to touch your hair? You can't get product. You know, now you you can only bring three ounces of liquid. Back in my day, people would would bring entire (laughs) suitcases of product because you didn't know what the market... You know, things like that. I just... Do you and your friends still talk about stuff like that in terms of studying abroad? Yeah? Yeah, I would definitely... For me... I know, like, the first time I went to Russia, my hair was totally shaved off, so I was... Do you like, like, no hair? <laughs> yeah. This summer, I just kind of... I don't even know what I said. I think I was, you like... improvised? It, yeah, I think I was, like, it's six weeks, I'll rough it. You know, I don't know. I was, like, it's fine. I'll just bring, like, one good thing of, like, product and retwist as it goes. Um, we'll see. Um, but I do have friends, you know, other, like, black women who have studied abroad, they're, like... You know, some of them, like, I had to really, like, stretch out, you know bottles of stuff some of them were lucky enough to like be in countries where i had a friend who went to brazil so she was able to get you know items one of my friends she went to france like you know there were a few times she was able to get stuff but still like you don't have that access you know mm-hmm. in russia no there's none of that like so for me i've just had to kind of just like you know like you said like improvisers kind of think okay like i'll figure something out should we be um, sending you products from the united States? i'm thinking because i'm thinking like you know when i go to ukraine i'm like what am i gonna do mm-hmm. you know i i was like i'm probably have to bring like a three-month supply or something just have like different people like sponsor anyone want to sponsor my hair projects <laughs> so the decision to pursue russian language in college and the decision to then be a global citizen how did that experience of traveling in high school inform your decision for college oh i would say inform my decision 100% like 110% i don't i don't think i would have been so globally minded if i hadn't taken that you know this trip to europe and then been to russia just because i, don't, I honestly like, I can't even think of what I would have even studied or thought of. I probably wouldn't even be at Georgetown, you know, mm-hmm. in the in the School of Foreign Service, you know, studying, you know, regional studies because I just would have never had that context, you know. But because I was able to travel, I was able to see like, oh my god, there's a world out there, like there's so much more I'm I'm not just a citizen of the United States, I'm a global citizen, I'm a citizen of the world, which means I have a duty to the world. Like I feel like that those trips really opened my eyes and I think that's why I'm so like passionate about it's like intercultural understanding between mm-hmm. peoples and how that can happen with people like traveling and meeting people where they're at and learning about other cultures and just like having students of color being able to travel, you know? Mm-hmm. I have so many friends who are like, oh, I want to study abroad, I want to do this. But, you know, like funds, funds is always a big thing. But I'm just like, no, money, there's so much money out there. We yeah. can find money. Don't, like money, like, money is very important. Yes, it's very important. But I don't ever want that to ever stop anyone from studying abroad because there's so many resources out there. I'm just like, if I don't know where something is, I'll ask someone else and we'll figure it out. We will figure it out, but we're not going to... I don't I don't want people to feel like they're inhibited from studying abroad or being able to travel the world or see just because of funds, which I feel like is a reason why many students of color don't do that, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, 
Yeah, you know, the initiative. You know, I was able to do that because you know, I, 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 I hustle so hard. You know, but just like even these like these programs. You know, just the one like with the State Department where um, everything is paid for. You know, I try to. If I hear anyone is learning any critical language, I'm just like, apply for this. I did this. I think you have a good job. The good, good. I think you have a good chance of getting it. Please, you know, do it. Um, I just think like spreading those resources out there is like what is very helpful. When you kind of presented this idea to your mom, she was very supportive and she helped you through it. What are you know? But I don't think all parents are like yeah, that. Yeah, they're not. What are some of the ways you think um, other students can talk to their parents who are like? I don't want you to go to some country where something bad's going to happen. I mean, I think, especially in the context we live in now, there's so much fear. And there's so much, you know, misunderstanding. And, you know, some of it's tied into Islamophobia that you see that's getting, you know, always, you know, stirred up. Um, Some of it is about a misunderstanding about how the world sees the U.S. And so when people have parents who are just like, no, you're not doing this, what are some ways you think that they can navigate that? I think one, just putting things into context um, you know, I remember, for example, when I wanted to do the Peace Corps, when I was talking to my parents about the Peace Corps, and my mom, you know, the, she kind of grew up in the area where, like, the, the Peace Corps was kind of getting off their feet, and so a lot of bad things were kind of happening to people. Oh, interesting. And so when I told her, she was like, well, I heard women get raped in the Peace Corps, you know? And, like, she really didn't want me to do it. She wanted me to do another program. But, you know, I kind of told her, I was like, Mom, I was like, Women get raped everywhere. Mm. College campuses, one in four women get raped. You yeah. know, I, I probably, I have more chance of getting raped here than, you know, in Ukraine. And so I kind of, like, show her, like, yes, like, this may have been something that kind of happened, but that doesn't mean that that's the norm for this program. And just because it, it had happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to continually happen. These things happen everywhere. Yeah. We have to kind of realize we can't just attach this one bad thing to, you know, a, essentially a really great program, you know? So I think just putting stuff into context, you know, some people are, are like, oh, well, there's bombs happening, or, you know, maybe one bomb may have happened, but you're like, mm-hmm. well, at this rate, you know, ISIS can bomb anywhere, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I don't think that fear should drive us to... I think if folks, you know, kind of, like, explain, like, we can't let this fear stop us from, you know, wanting to have these opportunities, that's good. Um, and then also, I think just... I had I was talking with another friend and he was telling me how, you know, and my my you know, my my parents have asked me these things too. But like I think sometimes there's a, a thought that countries won't have the same resources. As yeah. America. So like so, if you get sick, if something yeah, bad happens, you know, yeah. like my mom's like, well, you know, can, can you buy water over there? Can you can you buy like you know can you you know buy towels you know stuff like that? And it's like kind of explain like you know like yeah like they, they may not have. I mean, there may not be a Walmart super center in these places, <laughs> which that's not the norm. If you think about it, super centers, those big, big stores that we have in the U.S., that's yes. not a norm. They have every other country has little pocket stores. Yeah, you know? they may not have so, but they will have resources. You know, I, I, you know, I will have like you know running water. I will have like a toilet. You know, I'll have, I'll be able to buy you know essential things. You know, so just kind of like explain like they're you know the things we have here, they're over there. So I'm not gonna be without for. It the whole time and kind of like putting you know like again putting into context showing like it, it may be different over there but those resources are available you know so I'm, you know you don't have to worry about you know me coming back I don't know <laughs> with no towels yeah. um in terms of kind of your experience these four years of college what do you think um the traveling has done for your kind of academic experience your growth as a student I think it has kind of shown me 
Well, just one, like, being able to travel has been, like, a blessing, but also being here at Georgetown and being around students who have been to the place I may have traveled to, I feel like that has definitely, like, helped me grow, just kind of, you know, being able to, like, kind of, like, piece that together, you know, and take time to just learn even more about these places, about just, like, our world globally. I think it also kind of brings a more global aspect to just the work that I do in class and just in general because it kind of makes me think that, you know, think about other places that have been affected by the same thing or just how, you know, this one incident in this one place is, is not, you know, abnormal, but it's happened in other places, like, you know, kind of like see trends and things. So I definitely think that traveling has helped me grow a lot as a student. And the final question that I ask all my guests, if there was one thing about you you wish you could tell every professor, what would it be? <laughs> I wish I could tell every professor. Something you wish they knew about you. Oh, like in general or, mm-hmm. like, or just about my performance in their classes? <laughs> <laughs> you choose. Um, I really am interested in the reading that sometimes life happens. <laughs> Yes, it does. Well, you have a lot of life ahead of you, Crystal. Safe travels. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much, Professor Chatlin. Bye. Bye. Thank you for visiting Office Hours. Office Hours, a podcast, is a production of Dr. Marsha Chatlin and Alex Tyson. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and only the speakers. Join us on social media, on Twitter, at Office Hours Pod, and on Instagram, on Office Hours Podcast.